What's up everybody and welcome back to my channel. It's been a really long time, but I'm in between trips, got back from a trip to Toronto. And now next week I'm going to Morocco as well. So I'm really hoping that I at least get to also recap the finale episode next week before I go. But fingers crossed, I do hope that this is not the last video before the end of the year. Anyway, you guys, this is a recap of what went down on Teen Mom OG season seven B episode 29. And Cheyenne, the party queen is of course throwing at another party and her baby daddy Corey just so happens to be invited. So our friend Remy and like the rest of her family are all gassing her up about how Corey is like still in love with her, pining for her, all of that. Like just a quick sidebar, I say this every single time I recap, but how in the heck is literally everybody that Cheyenne introduces to us drop dead beautiful? It is absolutely like insane. So anyway, Remy and the rest of Cheyenne's friends and family are like telling her that um, Corey's potentially going to be jealous of men in the club when they go and start hitting on Cheyenne and stuff. And then uh, they ask him a question, like they turn around a question meant for Cheyenne and direct it to Corey, like, hey, like, what would you do if a chick started like hitting on you in the club? Would you like grind with her for the night, like hook up with her? Like, what would you do? And Corey said that he would just kind of like leave it at that because he's there for Cheyenne that night. And they read a lot into it as in like he wanted a relationship and I feel like, you know, they were really putting the cart before the horse. Now, in the next scene, we're in Indiana where Amber is suffering from postpartum depression and Gary's private investigator leads him to someone he strongly suspects is his biological father. At home, he tells Christina that he's gonna meet with this guy and take a DNA test, but uh, doesn't wanna get his hopes up again after what happened with Jody and finding out that he was not biologically, you know, his dad. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, Macy's daughter, Jade, needs to get her tonsils removed and they stretch it out for her entire segment. So this is probably, you know, if not definitely the only time you're going to hear me talk about Macy, like nothing really happened over there. And I'm not too huge on like the periphery kids. You know what I mean? Like I'm more interested in the original kids, both in Teen Mom OG and Teen Mom 2. Like the $20,000 club, like is not really like that big of a thing for me. I'm not as attached to those kids. So anyway, let's head over to Texas where Bristol's upset over the social media battle that she's in with her soon to be ex-husband. Um, she wants to broker a ceasefire, so she texts him a novel requesting that they meet up to figure things out. She then calls him out for bashing the mother of her kids as if she wasn't also on social media bashing the father of her kids. She then talks about how Dakota still has yet to respond to a text of hers about, um, you know, Trip, something that Trip needed, you know, him for. And I kind of, you know, with Bristol, ever since like Dancing with the Stars Junior Gate, I worry about like the validity and like the timelines of the things that she says. I don't know how long ago she texted Dakota about Trip. For all we know, it could have been like an hour ago or two hours ago or something like that. And she wants to exaggerate it as if Dakota no longer cares about her son. Like it is really hard to tell. But I will say though, that I don't think that it was an appropriate thing of her to like blurt out in front of Trip. Trip was not like exactly in the dining room with her, but he was in the living room adjacent to the dining room, you know, pretending to be interested in flipping through family photos, right? And she kind of gave off the impression that Dakota did not care about Trip anymore now that they were divorced, and that wasn't like the brightest idea. Up in Michigan, Caitlin and Tyler go appliance shopping, and he could not seem any less interested in his wife if he tried. They go back home and talk about the 15-week checkup that uh, Kate went to alone. There was no issues about that. That's not 
shade. She did go to it alone. And um, Tyler gets a text from his project manager about the status of like his home and like when he's able to move into it, the Octagon house. And it's so like awkward to me. I feel so like Kate, like girls, stop it. Like she, he gets a text and the guy's like, oh, like this, that, and the other is gonna be done like today. And so he goes, he's reading it out loud. And Kate's like, wow, it looks like we're gonna be able to move in there like pretty freaking soon. And then he gets another text, this, that, and the other is gonna be done like tomorrow or in a couple days. And then she's like, wow, we'll really be able to move in there really soon. And his response to his wife using we twice despite the looming separation was, yeah, I'm like really gonna be in there quite quickly. I'm ready to go. And when this guy said ready to go, he meant ret to go, like ready this instant, bags packed by the door, get me the hell out of here. And it, you know, you, you gotta feel bad for Caitlyn, especially considering the fact that she's pregnant, but it is so cringeworthy to watch play out on television. We're then transported back down to LA where Cheyenne's exy with a good beard showed up at the club last night, or did he? I feel like this is just a producer plot for, you know, a storyline for her. And um, it really pissed Corey off. You know, the Corey who is not her boyfriend, Corey. Apparently this is the guy that she cheated on with Corey and had the baby with. Uh, so like there's a lot of history between the three of them and like harsh feelings. So it could have gone like, you know, way left. Her friends and family are gassing her up, telling her that like the reason that Corey was upset that her ex showed up was because he felt threatened and he had her romantic feelings for her. And now like that he's seen how much guys want her, he's gonna step up and do everything he can to be that man for her. Like they really are so delusional. It's not even funny, right? Like, like an, an F boy like Corey is not gonna just like step up and grow up overnight. Like they're too damn addicted to attention, especially concerning the fact that he's now finally on a regular MTV show. Do you really think he's gonna lock it down right now, you guys? Really, come on. So let's go to Anderson, Indiana again and find out that Amber went and sought a local psychiatrist for help with her anxiety, depression, and postpartum depression. Like what a novel idea. So her psych gave her some medication and recommended that she get enough rest to help with all the things that she's dealing with. And as she was asleep in the bedroom, Andrew FaceTimed his sister to get advice on how he could better support Amber with her postpartum depression. And I thought that was so amazing of him. The sister gave great advice. She's like, you know, why don't you go to, um, you know, support groups for men who are dealing with it themselves? Because this can affect men as well and um, share thoughts and ideas there. And she go to a support group for women dealing with postpartum depression. And um, it was just great. It was a great conversation. He really took initiative there. And, you know, I love it. Like, especially considering a couple episodes ago, he was the one who went on the Internet and found a boxing thing for Amber to participate in. Like, it's great. Like, you know, he does have a really sketchy history but so far so good here you guys meanwhile on Gary's half of the segments he really is starting to overshadow her isn't he um, he gets his test results and finds out that the guy that the private investigator tracked down is in fact the father so he's pretty stoic about finding out the news and Christina has all of the excitement in the world for him I think she even shed a couple tears as well I am so freaking happy for Gary he has grown and matured so much over the years and it really cannot be easy having a thought from the 80s as your mom and really wondering who you are where you come from right and like her discouraging you from finding out your father like doing everything she can to block your quest like not helping you at all like it was difficult and I'm glad 
that it came to a happy ending. Now let's scoot on over a little bit. I don't know if it's the left side or the right side. My geography skills are not the best, but in Michigan, Caitlin and Tyler go to couples therapy off camera and then dine out with his mom who interrogates them as they talk over each other to answer every single damn question. You guys, how irritating is it to speak with people, you know, with a pair of people or a tree of people who just don't let the other speak. Like everyone has to speak over each other and you as a listener don't want to be rude to either one. So you're like watching a tennis game or like, oh, let each other speak. They always freaking do this. So anyway, they talk about the status of their separation, the home being built and all of that stuff. But Kim's main concern is making sure that her precious golden boy, Tyler, follows through on the separation. And she tells Kate that it'll do like a lot of good for her too. in finding herself, finding out what she wants to do with her life and all of that stuff. Stuff. Anyway, we quickly head back over to Indiana where Gary and Christina go out to a restaurant to meet with his biological father who's got the exact same nose and beard as Gary and I think he had the same eyebrows as well. Like it was a spitting image. He seems to be a really nice and clean cut and happy guy. Gary is so excited to meet this guy. He's like, I want to like have a relationship if you're willing. I would love to also introduce you to my kids. Like I really do hope that that relationship is being maintained like as we speak because you know, he deserves it and you know his kids deserve it as well we are still in the middle of an episode of Cheyenne's endless parties when Corey rolls in to her like hotel room or Airbnb or whatever to talk about the previous night's drama with her ex-boyfriend allegedly showing up Corey says that it's weird to go out together being so hot because obviously someone's gonna be hitting on Corey or on Cheyenne on any given night so maybe they should just stop going out together and you could just see it you know Cheyenne's face drop because you know everybody around her had like built her up to believe that Corey was in love and chasing after a relationship and he's effectively telling her no like let's stop going out together let's stop crossing that line aka this isn't going anywhere down in Kentucky Dakota goes skydiving to work up the nerve to call Bristol and she immediately launches into a rant before like he even gets to say hello like what's up anything like that but it seems like you know what in her defense at the same time it seems like he picked up the phone to be like what do you want so I guess that's why they both always start on a hundred. Bristol says that she wants to get together to talk about how they can like have a better rapport for the sake of the children. And Dakota tells her that he is not interested in sitting down to talk with her just for just for the sake of talking. According to Dakota, everything is fine. They don't need to be better. Like as he's yelling through the freaking phone, like it's you know just ridiculous how freaking stubborn he can be. And he calls her out. He goes, Bristol, like if you really want to make things work and if you really want to fix things how about you try calling or texting me when the cameras aren't around for once in your freaking life how about that and Bristol's only like response to that was that the cameras hold them accountable and that's why she pretty much you know only wants to have these sorts of conversations whenever they're rolling which I don't think is a good enough excuse I think that Dakota was right to be suspicious of her motives in trying to paint him like you know into a corner with the audience once the conversation ends he talks to our unfortunately named producer and tells her that Bristol's just a child because she only cares about her image on the show rather than what's actually going on in real life. Now, you guys, Amber, the true Amber that we've known for so many freaking years actually comes out in this next scene. Like, it was so 
freaking rough to watch the way that she treated Andrew, who was only doing his best to be a supportive partner to her while she struggles with postpartum depression and the host of, you know, other difficulties that she's been suffering from mentally for a really long time. They're in bed and they're talking and Andrew's like, hey, like I was talking to my sister and she suggested that maybe you can, you know, we can go to support groups to help deal with your postpartum depression. Amber gets extremely snippy and she starts yelling about how she has postpartum depression the hardest of anyone because she's on camera. I was like, really girl? Shut the whole entire F-U-C-K up. You absolutely do not have like the worst postpartum because you're on camera. You can have postpartum and stay home, not worry about the bills or anything. Your partner gets to stay home as well. That's how loaded you are. Like the average person with postpartum depression still has to get up and go to work, you know, especially if they have a service job where they have to be friendly with people and happy, fake happy. Like it is freaking difficult, you know, even if they don't, even if they have the, another job, like they really have to get crap done even though they're suffering from postpartum. And a lot of people, even with going to work, they still worry about and not meeting because while they're at work and while their spouse is at work, the child is in daycare. Like there's a lot of different factors that the average woman has to deal with on top of postpartum depression that you will never have to deal with. And the people on Teen Mom OG and Teen Mom 2, they're able to be like, oh, well, I'm not filming today. I'm not filming this. I'm not filming that. So that's another luxury that she has that the average woman does not have. So she really, really seriously needed to get the hell off of her high horse there. Pretending like being on camera is like the worst thing to deal with postpartum depression. Yeah, it does suck that you have to deal with this on camera, but that doesn't make it any more difficult than what the average woman is going through. And you're also unemployable. So you should be happy that that's the only thing you have to worry about is being filmed for the next couple of years. Because once that ends, God knows where the hell you're gonna end up. Poor Andrew could not get a single word in. He just like, sat there and like took the the berating that she was doing to him and she he didn't even sigh loudly like oh my god whatever like or make a remark he just let it go but i'm not gonna feel too bad for him because this is the amber that he saw when he hooked up with her and marriage boot camp in fact the amber marriage boot camp was 10 times worse than this and he still wanted in so Welcome. Now back home in Michigan, Caitlin and Tyler sit down at the dinner table to discuss how to handle Nova during the separation. And Tyler seems pretty um, blase about it. He's like, you know what? Just play it by ear as it happens. We don't have to stick to a strict schedule. We're still gonna be talking, like it's okay. You know? And um, he also says that they all need personal space sometimes. So it's not a huge deal at all, this whole separation thing. And Caitlin says that she doesn't want it happening every few years. And then he lets out a weird, what? Like in response to her statement. I don't know if that like, weird what thing he did was because he felt like he just got busted in his plan to like make it through the marriage by separating from his wife every so often or I think this is more likely if he was trying to hold back like a really shady comment like that what was shade like oh we can't just up and leave every couple of months considering like the whirlwind that you know Kate kind of put the family through that got them to this point right like I kind of feel like that's more what he was getting at the fact that before Kate was okay with like leaving him and Nova every so often without even like checking up on her um you know outpatient treatment or in with local doctors or anything like that that's what I feel like he was throwing shade towards so anyway he asked her to further explain what's on her mind and she said that she only wants to do it in therapy or she'll get you know of course triggered in the end of their conversation Caitlin starts crying and she's like you know what like I, I'm wondering like is heartbreak at the end of this because if heartbreak is at the end of this just go ahead and break my heart now get it over with and then Tyler in a weird turn of events was like yeah like I'm like you I'm the same way if you're gonna break my heart break it now 
Except he looked really excited, like, yeah, please break it now, break up with me. So you really do have to wonder what the heck is gonna go on with these two at the end of this trial separation that is actually playing out right now as we speak. You guys, that's it. That wraps up what went down on Teen Momoji Season 7B, Episode 29. As usual, I'm more excited to hear what you have to say about everything, so please make sure to leave all of your thoughts and opinions in the comment section down below, and we'll chat. You can also like this video, subscribe for more, feel free to share it with your friends as well, and follow me across social media where I absolutely love chatting with you. That's all for now. Thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you next time.